What up, what up, y'all? It's Mr. Al Pete, musician, hip-hop artist, DJ, actor, host, podcaster, motivator, and cousin's best friend. This is my personal podcast where I speak on different happenings with me. My thoughts, goals, struggles, triumphs, shoes, adidas, baby, music, Ty-Fi Rice, Twitter, whatever. You might get an appearance from good old Kip Monroe. <laughs> Mr. Peterson's Neighborhood, Clear Visions, to the top, y'all. What's good? What's the word, everybody? It's your man, Mr. Allen, Mr. Al Pete, Clear Vicious Podcast. Don't mind my man, Larry Love, in the background. He's, uh, you know, being a boss. <laughs> but nevertheless, thank y'all for listening to the podcast. This episode right here, um, I was on Muse Magazine's um, Artwire event, which is currently going on right now, but when you listen to it, you'll hear it. Um, it'll be tomorrow, well... It would have happened last, this weekend, just passed. But um, this is a conversation with Barter Milligan and Alvin Brook of uh, Buzzsprout and the Shortbox Podcast. Um, we talked about marketing, the mastering of marketing. So this is the episode that you guys are going to hear. Hopefully you enjoy it. All the other good stuff. More Clear Vision Podcast episodes coming to you very soon. Enjoy. All right. Good day. Good afternoon. Good evening, my people. It is Mr. Al Pete. Um, you are here at the panel, the good panel. Master your marketing. <laughs> artist, artist guide to marketing. So, uh, just to introduce myself, real quick, I am Mr. Al Pete from Jacksonville, Florida. Hip hop artist, DJ, podcaster, journalism. Uh, uh, the head of uh, Mr. Peters' neighborhood, my brand, which has other brands fly socks and tees groove suite um cubicle music all that stuff so that's me but um i brought two of my friends along with me and um i want i'm going to let them introduce themselves because i feel comfortable for them introducing themselves <laughs> we're going to start off with al what's up what's up everybody i'm alvin i'm a lawyer turned marketer um and podcaster so that's what i do i'm excited to be on the panel yeah man Hey, my name is uh, Bader Milligan. I am a project manager by day. I work in uh, marketing myself, actually, and I also do podcasts. I've been doing it since 2012. I host the Short Box Podcast here in Jacksonville, Florida. Indeed, indeed, some great people right here, guys. Um, and it, and it's cool because uh, so this is this is a quick story on, on myself. Like uh, I've been wanting to get into the marketing side of things. Um the admin side of things for a great minute. So I'm like having all these conversations. So I guess I'm kind of not really converting over from an artist to a marketer. I want to be able to use both sides to my advantage. And um, I do feel like I I'm getting into that pocket, but I really want to understand more about the marketing side. So I'm trying to have more conversations with people with the marketing aspect of it, because I realize uh, as a hip hop artist, as a DJ, we get you know get kind of stuck sometimes and like okay well we got the product for creativity that we that we've created and ready to put out to the world but like nobody's you know nobody's hearing it or where am i coming up short at so i saw a lot of this happening with myself and with others so it made me get more on the conscious side of the marketing so that's why we're here so uh it's good to talk to uh two of my friends that are you know in the marketing field and I've noticed their work and, and their work is definitely excellent in what they do outside of the marketing part. But in the marketing aspect of it, both of these guys really do hone in on that part. And um, we're just going to have a conversation about it. We're going to have a panel discussion about it and just, and just talk it out and kind of answer some questions that um, you as a creator, artist, DJ, photographer, whatnot, might, you know, need to, you know, the questions that y'all have. So, which... This is going to be a learning process for me as well. I do feel like I have a, a a decent marketing thing thing going on, but you know that comes from the creative side. Maybe we might need to talk about it from the admin side or combine both. So, yeah. So our three topics today. Um, first one will be how to identify your niche to help with developing a marketing strategy. Second one will be what are ways to engage more with an ideal customer and audience. And three how to understand your analytics so it can be used for more growth and monetization. 
So before we get into that, let me do a shout out to Me You Magazine. Thank you for having us. Um, I know you you guys have been enjoying the the festivities for the past two days. Um, it's Sunday, so we're at the end of it. But um, shouts out to you guys for doing that awesome job with the things that you do in the culture in um, the Southeast region and definitely in Florida. So, all right. So who wants to jump into that first one? How to identify your niche to help with yeah. developing a marketing strategy? Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll dive into that first. One of my uh, one of my good friends, I went to his father in law's funeral, and one of the things that we stood up and said, this always stuck in my mind, was his kind of like life motto was "Let your freak flag fly." He was always just like, "Do your thing, just say, you know, who you are, and don't worry about the rest." And what I really liked about it was, it was a conscious decision on his part to never be what people wanted him to be. He was just like, I'll be me. I'll do what's good, what makes sense to me, what I want to be. And the people that like vibe with it, they will find you. And the people who don't like it will move on. And so when I think about finding a niche, that's what I think about. You know, if you go on and try to think what kind of Twitter accounts are the biggest, well, then you're just going to be writing a bunch of tweets that don't even make sense for you. They never... They, it's not authentic mm. and you're just going to be a bad version of like a meme account that you looked at one time and instead find that thing that you is actually you and then put that out in the world. And even if it's only a hundredth of the size, it's going to be authentic. It's going to be easy. It's going to be fun. It's going to be real. And that's how you're going to find it. So like, I guess my answer to that is, Throw up the flag. Tell people who you are, what you're into, what you like. And the people that like it will find you and everybody else will move on. That's how you build that niche. Hmm. Very good uh, philosophy on that. Yeah, to, to kind of, um, you know, build from what uh, Alvin just said, you know, and all of my answers will be within the context of what I've done with, the, with my podcast in the last eight years. Um, finding our niche early I think was a big component to our success because, you know, to, to Alvin's point, we knew that, you know, well, one, I think we had a, we have a very niche um, uh, scope and, and topic, you know, and our show is about comic books, you know, everything about comic books, the collectible side, we, we do interviews, we do reviews and, and spotlights. So knowing early on what we were and what our message was and being kind of like confident in, um, you know, our roles, I think was a big help in being able to identify, okay, who is this show for? Who are the type of people that um, would listen to this show? And luckily, like we were those people too, you know, uh, we, we were all very passionate comic book collectors and, and fans and things like that. The movies were just coming out. So we knew that the, the market for it was going to grow, that there's going to be a wider um, audience and listenership. So, I mean, to, 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 to kind of like what Alvin was saying is like, once you kind of are confident in, in what, who you are, your personality and, and your identity, I think it becomes a little easier to um, maybe identify and solidify your message. Then from there, it kind of it's a little easier to me in that point. But I mean, granted, I am speaking for someone who already has a very niche focus, so mm -hmm. I think that niche um, uh, audience was kind of built in with it. Um, but we always tried to make it very inclusive. Like we wanted our, our audience to know that, hey, this is th that niche show for you guys because you know we're a part of that uh, community as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think you, you can get yourself into this mindset where you've got to have a big audience and that's all that it's all that's valuable. But honestly, like, I mean, we see this on the content side. So like for our company, Buzzsprout, we, we create content on YouTube, on podcasts, on blogs, mm -hmm. on social. And there are people that have hundreds of thousands of followers. They cannot get anyone to do anything hmm. like, you know, there may be a lot of people that follow you on Instagram and like your photos, but they're never going to buy a product from you. They don't really give a rip. They don't even, they're not going to swipe up and even go to your link. There's other people that have a couple hundred followers that do everything they recommend. Mm -hmm. So the, right. the way that you get that depth, <laughs> you get that depth is that you're actually speaking to people authentically and they know like, Hey, this music that you're making is who you are and what you're into this. Like, product you're building where you're building it for me or this podcast you're making, you're making it for me. If, if you don't focus on the people that 
you authentically connect with anyway, then why are you in this? I mean, we see it all the time, Bader, I'm sure you've seen this too. Like people come to you and they say like, oh, I'm going to start a podcast. What's the most popular kind of podcast? Mm. And it's because all they're interested in is like, they want to be famous. So they're like, oh, I'm going to do an interview show. And I'm like, dude, if you're just getting into interview shows, cause you've heard those are good. You're going to give up after like three interviews. Cause you don't really care about it. Mm -hmm. Instead, you got to find like, it doesn't matter how focused your, your niche is. You got to be served in that niche 100%. And once you find it, like double and triple down on it, um, because it's, it's worldwide now, like it used to be, you could only talk on the radio to about stuff in your local city. So we're all in Jacksonville. Like if you want to talk about sports, you had to talk about the Jaguars. Mm -hmm. But now when it's worldwide, you could be in Jacksonville, but say, Hey, I'm actually a huge, I don't know, Cowboys fan or something. I'm not a Cowboys fan, but if you were, you could talk about that. You talk about whatever you want. And there's still an audience for it worldwide. And when you think of 7 billion people, it doesn't matter how focused that niche is. There's still probably tens of thousands, millions of people interested in what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And I think it's hard to kind of, um, and really well said, Alvin, uh, I think it's really hard to kind of fake the funk, like a better mm -hmm. term when it comes to a niche audience. Because when you think niche, you're, you're talking about like literally a very focused group on one specific subject you know they're they're going well below or well or deeper than the surface level so it's kind of hard to trick them you know you can't just kind of be inauthentic about it like they, right your passion will be um what resonates with them and, and you know luckily um for us like we were fan like we are passionate about this we can we literally have been talking about this every week for the last eight years and i think you know, you, you kind of got to earn uh, that trust from a, a niche audience like that. Mm. Very yeah. great point. Very great point. Mm. <laughs> That's a lot, man. I mean, you know, just with, just with that, like, so on my end, when it comes to everything that you guys said, like, um, I could see a lot of people, you know, frown upon that and then, they they have these uh, guards that's up, you know. They're like, well, you know, I'm just gonna let the the people come to me and stuff. I, you know, that was that's one of the main things I've heard within the past probably month that people are like, well, the product is going to sell itself, and the people are going to come, and you know, they're going to come when they need to come, or whatever the case may be. And I'm like, you know, I just like like you said, Al, I was thinking. You got to love the art. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got to, like, that's part of it. Like, that's part of it. Like, you really have to love what you're doing because, and you got to love the fact that you got to understand how producing happens. You know what I'm saying? Like, you have yeah. to go through the process. Like, you have the idea, and then you, of course, you have the finish, but then you got to think about the, all the stuff in between. Like you said, prime example, the interview part. There's going to be a lot of people that's going to, like, um, what is it called? Like, a, uh, drop out or somebody's yeah. not going to be you know like that that can discourage you that's one of like many things that people don't understand in regards to that you know what i'm saying and being able to and a lot of people just don't do their homework too so mm -hmm. they don't do their homework i also think the days of just having resting on just a really good product are definitely over because there's so many products out there you know yep. um what aside from a good i think a good product is just the very bare minimum nowadays you know it's what else are you bringing? And for me, um, I know that offering a good product being the podcast, but also cultivating, um, you know, a, a community, you know, within our, our listeners, you know, it, you're not just getting a really good podcast, but like you're, you're going to feel like you're a part of something, you know, what we will, we'll, you know, at events, you know, we, we do our best to, uh, you know, shake people's hands, call them by names, you know, invite people to or listeners to submit emails and, you know, build that kind of rapport yeah. that way. And I think um, cultivating, a, uh, a community is, is definitely something in addition that you should be doing aside from just uh, making a good product. Mm -hmm. Totally agree. So this, uh, well, you got something, Al? Yeah. I mean, I think what you're saying there is, uh, I don't know, like, Al, I feel like you kind of hit on this one thing for a second that was like, people want to rest on this idea that if I create something great, it'll, people come to me, and I don't have to worry about the marketing piece. Right. And like, I call this like the field of dreams marketing. Like we think like, Oh, you build the baseball field and the baseball players come and they play on the field. And it's like, 
is a joke. That's like, that's not how anything works. If we're in a time where we're like, there's more great movies than ever before, more great music than ever before, more great writers than ever before. The world is opened up. And so there's so many great creators out there. And so you've got to pair like the creation of great art with the distribution that's marketing. And if you can't, especially when you're focusing on such a niche, like you've actually got to plug into the communities that already are into the stuff you're talking about. So like I actually use Botter's podcast as an example a lot when I talk about this, like um, he told a story about going around to different comic book shops and like traveling around the world and leaving business cards for his podcast. Well, he knew he was tapping into communities of people who are already into his stuff. And whatever kind of music you're into, you got to find people who are already talking about it. that are already doing it. The type of people that want the photography that you're creating, because those are the people, because then when they see it, they're going to go, oh, we're of the same, we're cut from the same cloth. Like you're my people. I want to see what you're into, but you can't just, what happens sometimes is, you know, people mostly only know a couple hundred people well. And so you're like, oh, I'm going to do a podcast or I'm going to do a blog or something. I'm just going to talk about movies. It's going to be like as broad as movies. Cause I know like a lot of people like movies. No one cares about your movie podcast because no one hears that and goes, man, I've got to hear it. Or hears that and goes, I've got to tell someone else about it. But if someone told me like, hey, there's this podcast and they're talking about this super focused thing that you're into, like there's some, you got to find stuff that's so focused that somebody hears it and goes, I'm not into that. But man, my friend is super into that stuff. Mm -hmm. And I've got, I got to text him right now and make sure he knows there's a podcast out there about like his stuff. Yeah. Yep. That's, I mean, that's how I, I'll use a Groove Suite. The Groove Suite brand that I have, I use that as a, as a perfect example. Like, um, I tell people all the time, I didn't even want to do a podcast, but the Groove Suite was formed because I was like, well, it came from a, a, when I was doing um, Papa Love Smoke, when Papa Love Smoke was around mm -hmm. back, you know, in ages. And that was a place where I could play uh, really good soul music. You know what I'm saying? Like, the we call it, they call it the alternative RB. So people like Lucky Day, um, Kate Trinata, those type of people, stuff that you wouldn't hear on a regular on a radio or whatever. So we would like highlight that type of music way more than, I mean, not not more than, but like we would present that. And you mm -hmm. might hear Mary J. Blige or Amaya, some you know the common uh, R&B people, but we wanted to focus on that. And that was the first time I realized, like business wise, that I had like found like this niche. <laughs> and, yeah. and I didn't even know that I was in the niche. So, of course, when I realized that I was in the niche, I just stayed in it and was like, okay, this is what we need to be promoting. Like, we're not going to say we're not going to promote anything else because I brought it up once I made sure that the niche was already, you know, was reachable to other people. So, um, yeah, like that that focus part. Like, we could just say, hey, this is R this is the R&B podcast, you know, but, you know, right. we can... How many it, of those it, are there? I mean, you know what I'm saying? How many of those are there? How broad it is. We we specifically stated like I would there needs to be something where somebody is playing this particular music more so we can hear mm -hmm. it. Like I don't want to just hear Mary J. Blige. I just don't I don't just want to hear, you know, the, the R and B that's on the radio. Like right. we want to hear the stuff that the deep cuts, the uh Janelle Monet's and the hers and that type of stuff that don't really get presented like that. So when we went in that field, it was it was a wrap because people was out there like we really don't hear this on the radio. So let me tap into this <laughs> to this podcast and let me let me get the the playlist. So he just marketed like that. So but I, I don't think a lot of people really pay attention to that. I think people look at the the finish line and mm -hmm. look at look at it like okay, well I'm going to you know this has got to be money driven or. It's got to be another type of thing, famous or whatever. But, you know, people put famous with money. So, yeah. All right. So let's go to the second part, which is a good segue. What are ways to engage more with an ideal customer and audience? So I, I can jump on this one only because um, uh, Alvin brought up a, a good point that I think for me early on when I started the the, the show, um, like I, I – 
you know, I, I knew who our audience was. So I just, I went to where they were at. And luckily I, you know, I, I was a part of the audience. Like I was, a, 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 I worked at a comic shop. I, you know, spent all my free time at a comic shop. Like I knew where to go. So I, I you know, printed out flyers. I went to comic shops. I went to comic shows. I went to anything that, you know, I already was doing and I just had a product to sell at this point. Right. And now I'm going to have to ask you again. What, what was the question one more time? <laughs> uh, uh, I, like I was going no, like, wait a minute. Now, what are the ways to engage more with the okay. ideal customer audience? Which, I mean, I just from what you just said, in my mind, I'm thinking you worked at a comic shop, so you're you're having those conversations right. all the time. <laughs> so I also knew, like, I was asking questions that I was like, well, what what do they want to see? What well, what do I want to see from like this culture? What what are some improvements? What are some problems that we have within um uh, this very niche hobby? And then, like, I kind of just kind of figured it out that way. But also, another thing, too, was um, we wanted the show to feel like, you know, uh, like a really fun, like like how I used to enjoy shops. Like, you know, the, the comic shop I used to go to was like a, a clubhouse. I used to spend, like, all my time there. Like, I, from sundown to sunup, I would just be there hanging out. So we wanted the show to kind of feel like that. Like, you know, it, mm-hmm. it was it was open. It was welcome. And... Um, I think when you allow your audience to feel like they have some sort of vested interest, like they have a voice, whether it be small or big, you know, sometimes you can't take everyone's opinion and incorporate it, but you try, you know, you try to take the one that makes sense. Um, And I I think us allowing the show to be open and feeling like at any point, someone could send me an email or shoot us a text or leave a voicemail and we would reply in some way or acknowledge it. Um, Even at like live shows, you know, we try our best to make, everyone feel like they already know us like even if it might be their first time we want everyone to feel like oh man these guys could you know easily be a, a crowd that I, I hang out with so i i think i'll wrap up by saying just having that sense of um community and, and openness you know like i think it's it's kind of sometimes artists will make it to where you know they can't uh, i guess like you know um come to the level of, of their their customers audience like they want that clear separation but i, I say maybe there is a gray area where you can blend that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think uh, we're very tuned in to like, we shouldn't be too engaged with our audience. That's kind of like a feel that we get. And I think that kind of yeah. comes from like celebrity culture. Yes. But then I think of somebody like Elon Musk, like a billionaire running multiple companies, like doing all this cool stuff. And then he's sitting there and he responds to random people on Twitter. Well, like that's not sustainable. Like he can't respond to everyone talking about him, but what it does is it actually incentivizes everyone who is a fan of Elon or one of his companies like Tesla. And like now they can talk about it and they kind of feel like, Hey, he cares about me too. This isn't just me talking into the void. I'm kind of talking about this and I'm involved. Like just seeing other people get responded to is actually very, it's really good for your, for fans. And like, I talk to people about doing this on their podcasts all the time. Like if people call in and leave you a voicemail, like play some of those people leave you a review, read some of those. Mm -hmm. If people are taking the time to write you on, you know, on Instagram or something like respond to some of those and like, make sure you're promoting your own fans to the world. Cause like you want to make it valuable for them to be in the club. You know, if you think that you're better than all of your fans, well, you're not going to have fans for a whole long, long time because they're going to be done with it. Like nobody wants to be part of a club where, you know, they're at the lowest level all the time. Mm -hmm. And I think the the word I was looking for was uh, inclusion. That's what I wanted to summarize was that sense of inclusion, because um, if if your competition are are these big kind of brands and, and companies, well, you know, they've got endless resources that you probably can't compete with at that grassroots level uh, just yet. But what you can invest in is that sense of community and inclusion and f- making, you know, anyone that stumbles upon your show feel like, oh, wow, they, um, they're, they're like down to earth. I, I, you know, what we were talking about in, in the pre-production, um, you know, th- when you interview like, you know, this uh, creator or this artist or this guest that you've got these kind of built in um uh, like these thoughts, like, oh, you know, they're, they're big and, and things like that. But then you interview them and you're like, wow, they're really down to earth and they, they're kind of figuring it out too. And, and, you know, 
Um, I think it builds that rapport on that very basic human level of, oh, he's just like me. So, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to root for him. Mm-hmm. And I think for us, yeah. that was like an early, um, very like great thing that we did early on to, to have the success that we've had so far. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of times people think that being small is like their weakness and they're always ne- they're never going to be able to compete with someone who's a lot bigger. Um, so I see this in like software companies all the time where people are faking that they have like other employees. So like the founders never respond to help emails because they're like, no, I'm going to have like a fake name when I respond. And I'm like, why are you doing that? Because yeah, like they could have gone to your competitor who has 50 employees and like they are going to get someone. But if they actually get responses from the person who built the app, who knows it the best, and that person's taking the time to respond to them, then they go, oh, I matter. Like, this is cool. I actually like, oh, wait, you are the underdog? Because like Mm. Americans love an underdog, man. Like we love an underdog. And so when people find out, like, it's cool to be the underdog. It's cool to be the small thing. You know, the music that I, if you listen to some music and like the artist is responding to you or is like, is just acknowledging you is like a fan, like some of your tweets about them. Like people are going to be more into it knowing, oh, I matter to this person versus like another artist who, you know, is like no clue who you are, would never care. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't, I can't recall how many times like i've you know reached out to an artist that I, or a musician i really like and you know they'll respond like hell it happened last week um i had re- like reached out to an artist i was like ah, they'll probably you know this will go in their junk folder or whatever but they responded back like yeah that's one of my favorite projects too man i'm glad you liked it too man what's your favorite song and i was like man what <laughs> in, in this day and age because you know it's not like you know there's a separation between us and like a uh, human connection. Cause you know, we're just doing it via our, our screens. So like anything that you can do to build that rapport is, is important. And it's Alvin's point, like even a small comment or a message or a reply, it's like, you know, you're building that connection because uh, unfortunately you can't shake the hands of all of your fans or, you know, mm-hmm. have a face to face with everyone. So you guys got to do what you got to do when the opportunity presents itself. Of course. Yeah. Listen, let me tell you, let me tell you, uh, one of the smallest reasons why I still have my Facebook is, uh, um, you know, Facebook for my, my friends and stuff like that, classmates, um, and, and plus because of my business. I, I have to have a business account. I have to have a personal account to have a business account on Facebook. But every time I post, like, a picture of myself or, you know, just something to, like, engage with my audience, I, I try to go back as much as possible and, like, res- reply to these people, like, physically reply to every message yeah. and like i'm talking about like love it and then like try to compliment them or whatever because i do feel like at the end of the day it feels good to to know that these people like rock with everything that i do like they know me mm-hmm. from djing they know me from music they know me you know for me doing mpn stuff so i take the effort to sit down and especially on my birthday without it every time my birthday come around i go back and hit up everybody and i'm talking about this is over 200 300 posts on facebook but i go to everyone and respond to everyone even on instagram everyone even when somebody acknowledges me on twitter like i just started doing this maybe like a year ago where i would just like because i never liked the the tweet or whatever for whatever reason but I felt like I needed to like like, and that was my form of acknowledgement, saying, mm-hmm. "Okay, hey, I see you." And nine times out of ten, I'm gonna reply back to whoever replies to me or whatever. So, um, from an artist standpoint, I do try to engage on that a lot more, and I do feel like that's part of marketing. You know, the the, the engagement accent of it is it's engaging, especially oh. when somebody like when you release a good project, like somebody's going to respond and I'm, and somebody's going to respond probably in a great way. Mm-hmm. You need to take that time to, <laughs> to respond to these people. Like, I, think, I feel like it's simple, but it's my, it might not be simple to people. I think in addition to, you know, having that uh, bridge of communication and, and personality and inclusion, um, you can also leverage, you know, even if it's a small audience, you can still leverage them to, you, you, for like questioning and survey and information like what do you like about the show what don't you like about the show and mm-hmm. i feel like their their opinions you know are, are amplified because they've already they're already a fan of your work you know so they're going to be honest 
And if it's something that, you know, well, I think you guys could do this better. Who's to say that that little tweak won't, you know, bring someone else on that maybe that's what they were waiting on for you to do, you know, mm-hmm. but luckily this one fan that, you know, is, is down for the ride, um, gives you that kind of, uh, th- that insight. Like we, we always, um, were really big on, you know, letting us, you know, tell us what you, what you like about the show, what you don't like. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's open up, you know, some, some advice or things that feedback that we've gotten, we would have never thought of because, you know, we're not, we're not listeners of our own, own show. I mean, granted, you know, we listen back for, you know, playback and QA, but, we're not listening to it from a, a certain ear, you know, from like a mm-hmm. listener. So yeah. even if your 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 audience is small or large, like leverage them to understand like what is it about the show that you're doing good that you can't really see for yourself because you know you're in the driver's seat. Yeah, that's another thing I want to add too. You made a good point about that. Um, I'm I've this bug has hit me within the past couple months, like realizing that we have to educate our our, our fan base. Like we have to like let them know what's going on you know what i'm saying because people might just kind of be in the in the in the in emotion of what we do but you know we you know i i feel like there's a level of uh education that we can give to the people to kind of give them an understanding of hey this is the goal or this is what we got going on um you did that well with the short box with uh the videos that y'all did you know the, like the kind of funny videos that y'all did it was uh talking about the patreon Oh yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. Was it like last year or something like that? But it was good. Like it was, it was, it was entertaining. You know what I'm saying? But it, like, you really like thoroughly let the fans know, like, hey, this we got this Patreon page. This is what we gonna do. Yeah, and, um, and, and I mean, contribute. Always, and I think that just kind of feeds back to like our brand of always kind of being personable. Like, you know, we don't take ourselves seriously. Yeah, like we we have a long running show. We we've gotten some pretty significant success, but like. You know, at the end of the day, we're talking about comic books and it's fun and we're not here to take ourselves seriously. And I think a lot of people kind of enjoy when you don't have that very rigid shield where, um, you know, your artistry puts them at a, at a different level. Like it's always been like, hey, we're personable. You know, the, the key thing that's combining us and our listeners is the topic or, you know, our passion for mm-hmm. uh, for this genre. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely. All right. So, uh we probably got about 10 to 15 more minutes of this. We won't hold you on this Sunday afternoon because it's beautiful outside, I'm sure. <laughs> We're in Florida. <laughs> or you know what to the world. It might not be two. It might not be two o'clock. It might be, you know, <laughs> eleven o'clock. I don't know. In in LA, not sure. But um, so let's go back to our last our last kind of point. How to understand your analytics so it can be used for more growth and monetization. So I'm gonna let uh, I'm gonna let Al jump on that because as uh, you should, as as he should, <laughs> because he deals with that. <laughs> and they, listen, they do. And shouts out to Buzzsprout, man. Um, you know, for the uh, affiliate creator affiliation program, you know, all that stuff. Uh, so I, I'm a. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a bus sprouter. Oh my God. I was about to, do you want me to bust out my bus sprout like fanboy speech? <laughs> yeah, I, I like music and that. But yeah. yeah, go for it, man. I mean, well, speeches, whatever. How y'all want to do it? Go for it. <laughs> okay. All right. Let me talk about some of this data. Let me, here's something I, I think that's like so lost on people. 20 years ago, like there was not like marketing data. Okay. Like people just, there was, but like, we didn't, we couldn't track people. We couldn't see, oh, I put up this ad and it got me this click. And then that click led to a sale. So I'm always going to focus on that thing. And as we got more data, everyone was like shocked and was like, oh man, we got so much data now. Now I'm totally throwing away the creative side of me and I'm focusing only on the data side. And I think that it's very, very healthy to be rigid and systematic and to look at where the data leads you, but you can never get away from the creative side of what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So one, Mm -hmm. one way that this presents itself is like the largest marketing channel for almost everything is word of mouth for almost everything for for business applications, for computers, for music, for entertainment, anything, it's going to be word of mouth. Mm -hmm. And so what are you doing with your marketing to help word of mouth? Because that's not going to show up in your data. Like you can have a great Google analytics report and you're going through 
But like for Buzzsprout, I mean, we're talking like tens of thousands of people come to the site and sign up every month based on something I cannot see. Like I cannot see where I, they came. They just all of a sudden showed up one day. They typed in the entire URL themselves and they showed up. I mean, and we know when we talk to them, it's like a personal friend, like someone at church, somebody they met online said, Hey, I heard you're doing the podcast. Here's who I'd go with. And then they hook them up with us. So I try to think a lot about what are we doing to make that word of mouth easier? And so we already talked about one, like if you're focusing on a niche, then you make it really easy for people to recommend you. But it's really difficult to recommend like something that's kind of broad, but it's really easy when it's something really focused because it's kind of like you're showing like, I know who you are. I know what you're into. And I found something I bet you're going to really, you're really going to like. And so what we, what we do on our side is like building that community, making people feel like they've actually got a vested interest in your success and being friends and being kind and like saying, we're in this together, you know, even if someone's just a fan of yours, like they're in it with you, you're like, man, you're on the ground floor. You're one of the first thousand people to like my photography. You're one of the first hundred people to buy my album. You're one of the first 10 customers I had, like whatever it is, let people know, like you're in on the ground floor and I appreciate you so much because then they have a vested interest in doing that word of mouth for you. And we see this man over and over again, like we're totally blessed to have customers who love us that when I say, Hey, man, we're trying to get some reviews for this site. Could people leave us reviews and 500 people go and take time to go leave a review. Mm -hmm. It's only because for years and years, we're saying, how can we serve you more? How can we be more on your team? How can we bring you in? Mm -hmm. Um, so mm -hmm. yeah, with all of that, now let me talk, maybe say some stuff about data. <laughs> Cause I feel like I was kind of saying like, don't, don't, don't trust the data. Totally. <laughs> I mean, well, I, I think I think what don't 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 trust it. <laughs> well, I, th I think what you probably were, were getting across was don't be obsessed with it. You know? Yeah, it is not the end all be all. And um, and, and to piggyback off, off Alvin, I mean, our own show success it really comes down to um, because we've built like this community. It is really easy for people to recommend um, recommend our show um, via word of mouth, like, you know, uh, other friends who are into the same thing. And, and things like that. Um, and, and I also say, you know, working in corporate America and, and marketing as well, and, and more so on the admin side, on the project management side, um, I have seen where, you know, an entity becomes obsessed with the, with the numbers and we lose that creative side because at, and it, it, it ends up kind of becoming like this vicious circle where, you know, you're always reacting. You're always mm -hmm. reacting to the data. It's always, you know, the, the craziness, the rush never stops because one week, you know, you're here, the other week you're here and you're just constantly reacting. And then you kind of burn out that creativity because it's not about producing really good, a good product. It's more so about, you know, you get obsessed with the numbers and, and it, it just burns out the creativity. I've seen it like so many times just at, at my day job. And it's something that I try not to bring um, to my own, you know, uh, with the podcast and my own business. You know, we always try to put the passion first. And I think people just they can just feel it man they can feel when it becomes like a cash grab where you're trying to adhere to you know to, to the numbers and things like that listen um to to your point al the i the, the reason why i i get a lot of gigs like my my main dj thing was extremely word of mouth right like i couldn't think of nothing else like i wasn't putting anything online or like any type of mixes or nothing like that at all. I just noticed that like maybe my followers were going up and more people were being attached to what you know to the to the what I have to offer. But yeah, a lot of that stuff is uh it's definitely word of mouth. I mean, and I so so what you were saying was definitely on point, you know, resonated with me. Um, um well, I had wanted to hear um can we hear Alvin's um uh, I wanted to hear the data side. <laughs> All right. Yeah, can I say one more? I, I can I say one more non-data thing before I get into the data? Go for it. Go for it. All right. It's so common. I don't know why people think this. People people love this thought that like all a business is cutthroat and like you got to get yours and you got to push back on everyone and like you've got to be ruthless. And that's just such a freaking joke. 
like you've got to be kind to the people who are buying from you. They're into your stuff, your competitors, the people you're working with. If you're a DJ who's a jerk, no one's going to rehire you. No one's going to recommend you. People are going to go, I'm, I put up with it, but I'm tired of it. And like, if you're kind, you do get taken advantage of sometimes, but what happens is you actually find the other good people and you can just work with them long-term because mm-hmm. the once people take advantage of you, then you go, cool. I don't have to be mad about it, but thank you for showing me who you are. So I don't have to deal with you anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't need to take gigs at your club anymore. Cause I know you're going to like screw me out of money. I don't right. need to, whatever it may be. And so I really like this idea of kindness is being like a way to kind of figure out how other people act so that you can just focus on the other good people. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So going to the, agree. So going to the data bit, you've got to have this creative stuff so that you can come up with the good ideas, but then at some point you've got to let the actual data tell you what works. So we used to do this for years where we like rebuild our entire marketing site and all our landing pages and be like, I bet this will do better. And then we just publish it. And then we would like kind of try to guess later on whether or not it worked or not. Well, eventually we just got more rigid with it and we said, fine, you know what? No matter how much time we put in, the real proof is whether or not more people sign up. So we started A-B testing everything. Like half of the people that show up on the site would get one version. Half the people would get the other version. And you would see which one's getting more people to sign up. Mm-hmm. And we would say, okay, ber- version B worked. Cool. Let's take another creative stab based on like our own intuitions on what the next best thing will be. And we were constantly running these experiments against each other. And it was shocking how many times we would have these big arguments and say like, I know this thing is going to work and it will absolutely work. And nobody would, you know, we would, we would, no one would ever give in. And then I'd go, you know what, let's, we're running them both and we're going to see, and we would run it and it ends all conversation because as soon as you see, whoa, we did both in version a one, and that's the one that makes us more money. So anybody who doesn't want to make money could still vote for this one, but it's over. Like, you know, then you can move on to new things. So you got to run. It's kind of like you're always experimenting to see which direction am I supposed to take things. Mm-hmm. And I think you can kind of apply that pretty much to whatever creative work you're doing. You know, that you can focus so much that you're like, my photography is only ever landscapes and I never do anything but landscapes. But like, you kind of want to experiment and go like, yeah, that was true like two years ago, but let's see what else you can do. Like throw in some other stuff. Mm-hmm. And if you're throwing in something else that you might actually see, oh, the people that follow me now might also be interested in portraits and they may be interested in other types of content. And uh, you just got to always be running those experiments to see where the data is going to lead you. Yeah. Uh, to to bring it back to uh, you know our our, our Buzzsprout you know fanboyness, <laughs> in the last maybe I'll, I, you know in the last two maybe three years most when I made the shift from um, self hosting uh, you know our show to actually going to Buzzsprout and actually getting analytics, it was a a, a game changer. It was absolutely a game changer because I, I didn't have analytics or data. Um, on our old hosting service. And we were on that for like five years. And then when I was able to start, you know, actually getting information and data um, to Alan's point, we just started experimenting. Like it gave me like a good direction and a mm-hmm. good kind of litmus test. So like, you know, like see like, okay, well this kind of got a bump. Um, yeah. And I kind of liked it. Let me give that a shot. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, people are really liking interviews. Wow. I, okay. It's not my favorite thing to do, but uh, let me give it a go. Um, and, 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 you know, even in, on the corporate side, you know, that is something that we constantly do is, and granted, you know, we've got a little more resources to do a lot more, you know, ABCDEF, all types of testing. But to Alvin's point, as soon as I was able to start, you know, I didn't let the, the data drive everything, but I let it give me strong considerations for things that maybe I hadn't thought of. You know, even the smallest things, I was like, okay, there, there's something here how can I give it my own twist and make it something where I'm, I'm comfortable doing on a consistent basis or incorporating? Yeah. Hmm. The, I mean, one, and I'm sorry. And, and maybe the last two years I've, I've the experimenting has just gone through the roof and I think it's, it's just led to more success because we're constantly trying to 
I think you got to just kind of stay like malleable, like in any artistic space, you kind of got to just be open to trying new things, new ideas. And I'm sure, you know, that's, I'm maybe reiterating something very common sense, but I think it's kind of, you kind of lose sight of that when you kind of build, when you get into a good groove artistically, of whatever you're doing business-wise. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, uh, and I mean, I guess this, this is my fan, fan boy speech when it comes to Buzzsprout. <laughs> but I, I mean, but I do feel like uh, the the information that you you give y'all give to us is definitely not daunting. You know what I'm saying? And it's and it's reassurance too. You know, like like before we even hit recorded on this, it was you know I got my emails from my podcast to let me know like my weekly you know numbers and projections and and every time I see those emails, I'm like, okay, let me let me push. You know what I'm saying? Even you mm-hmm. know, it's not a bad or good thing to me. It's I like that reminder and this it's almost like that keep going, you know what I'm saying? And I like the spirit that y'all that y'all definitely possess when it comes to uh podcasting and, and you know that type of stuff. So you know but, uh, when we started doing um live shows, for me that was a point in where that was gonna be my one true metric because I, you know, it was just kind of hard to gauge how well the show is doing via um Via, via downloads at the time. We just didn't have really good information like that. So I had let live shows be my true metric. How many butts in seats could I get people to come, you know, yeah. watch us do live? And, you know, mm-hmm. the first live show, very moderate numbers. But I used that opportunity to build the community, to ask questions. Hey, yeah, how'd you come out here? Like, how'd you hear about the show? What's your favorite thing about the show? If you, you know, could give us one piece of advice, what would it be? And I took all of that data and, you know, I, 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 that was kind of like my way of collecting data at the time, was like very in-person um, and, and things like that. And I kind of, you know, made certain tweaks here and there. And I think maybe that's just something that you've always kind of got to be doing is being open to collecting all sorts of data. Might, you know, and I think when people think data, they think like, oh, metrics and analytics. Like, how do I go about getting that? You know, word of mouth and just a conversation with your audience can give you valuable information and data. Mm-hmm. So um, like maybe always just kind of being open to, uh, getting information and feedback wherever possible. I think that's definitely something I'd recommend. Yeah. One last point I'd make on the data side is the best data is finding out when something you hate doesn't work. It's like, or it doesn't matter. There's so much junk that you're putting time and effort into that you don't realize does not make a difference. And so, I mean, I'll give some examples. Like we used to send out these emails that we're going out to a good amount of people. So I'd spend days crafting this perfect email, putting images in there and make sure. And I'd like rewrite sentences so that they fit and they looked right. And like tons of work. It would take days to put an email together. And then I realized like, oh, this is taking so much time. And I'd run it. And then I was like, I'm just going to do only text email. I'm just going to do a text only email with no formatting, nothing. And I ran the experiment and the text only email does better. And I'm like, well, that one took me an hour and the other version took me two days. So mm. I just gave my, I just did something that gave me back almost two days a week of work. And then it allowed us to focus on other things. Cause what people really cared about was the content of the emails and the consistency of them coming out every week. So we went, okay, let's just make sure we do them every week. Now it's only taking a couple hours to put these together anyway. And then you can upgrade and figure out what's working. And when you're sitting there, if you're not someone who enjoys the marketing and the distribution side, then make sure you are measuring it because it's not an extra thing for you to do. It's actually going to give you permission at some point to say, hey, me making all of those social media posts that took me hours a week, I don't have to do them anymore because I never get any listeners from it. I don't get any attention because of that. Or you find out, man, putting it up on YouTube it does take me a few hours, but man, has that been that's been all of my growth has been there. Mm-hmm. So you know what to focus on, but it gives you permission to get rid of stuff that you really don't like. Hence why I have not deleted my Facebook yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's I thought, Facebook, uh, it works, man. You I, Facebook works, man. Uh. We got our whole community group on Facebook, and man, I'd love to delete my personal Facebook, but I'm like, well, I got to get on the community. As yeah. soon as we if we ever get off, get that community off Facebook, then I'll uh, we'll be good. I'll be, yeah. I'll be done. But yeah. the results are there, and it make it's it makes it work. You got to push, yeah. So, 
All right, well, we're going to wrap this up. Um, thank you all again for uh, to, the, to the people that's watching. Thank you so much for watching. Um, shouts out to my to my good friends for talking about <laughs> that marketing stuff, man. Um, real quick, plug in where they can find you or where they cannot find you. And shouts out to uh, Jack's podcast. Uh, I, I, I I want to say the name correctly. Jack's podcast's Unite group page. Mm-hmm. Um, you did a great job. You're doing a great job building that community up, man. And um, yeah. You know, and speaking of of community, I think this might be an, a nice bow. I mean, I wouldn't have met, you know, Albin or made the jump to Bus Route had I not kind of like thought about like I wonder what other podcasts are. Well, here. I, I wouldn't have known either of you if you hadn't started that group either. Community. Yeah. It's all about uh, all about it. Yeah. Um, I'll go ahead and I guess do my shameless plugs. Um, if you are, if you are a fan of comic books or pop culture or just good podcasts in general, uh, check out the Short Box podcast available on most podcast apps or across social media as the Short Box Jacks. Um, yeah, check us out. We release episodes every Wednesday. We focus on comic reviews, movie reviews, uh, and interviews of uh, industry professionals. Nice. Your yeah. turn, Alvin. <laughs> yeah, anything you, people ever want to connect with me, best place is Twitter, Albin Brook, A-L-B-A-N-B-R-O-O-K-E. Um, I'm pretty much Albin Brook everywhere on the internet, but Twitter is where you can get to me the easiest. If you ever want to talk about marketing or podcasting or you want to talk about Haiti, you want to talk about any of that stuff, I'm in. I love it, and I'll always respond and always looking to have conversations. Yeah, sounds good. And uh, me, Mr. Alpete, everywhere. Just M R A L P E T E. You can catch me uh, on Twitter a lot. Like I'm, that's Twitter is my spot. But uh, Instagram, Facebook, all that good stuff. You can catch me there. So um, again, thank you, fellas, for uh, taking the time out to do this. Man, this was a great conversation. Hopefully, this is some uh, good information that the creators. At uh, Miu Magazine and and the supporters will definitely take in and and run with it. Amen. Yeah, man. So, in the words of Wayne Peterson, which is myself, to the top, everybody. <laughs> Mr. Peterson's Neighborhood Clear Visions was thought of, produced, engineered, and recorded by me, Mr. LP at MPN Studios. The intro and outro music was produced by myself as well. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast that is available on all podcast platforms. Thank you to everyone who supports me. It's greatly appreciated. To the top, everyone.